Hey all, I'm Bill. I'm Adam. And we're Sons Danielle, and this is the Disney Geeks Podcast. <laughs> hey everybody. <laughs> um well, thanks for tuning in this week. I know we are uh we're a week behind, but we have good reason to be a week behind, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um we are missing Danielle tonight, but she had some uh pre pre engagements to uh to take care of that she had really couldn't get away from, which is perfectly fine. We'll just roast her the whole night, and that's okay. We'll just do oh, that. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> for those that are not familiar with our format, we typically start with a little bit of what you're doing, and then we talk. Um, this week, we are going to do another the best, the best, the best. I think next time around, we'll try a different segment between that and the topic du jour. The topic du jour yeah. of this week is going to be media preservation uh, efforts and ethics. But as always, yeah, it, it won't be as dry as the title. I promise. Yes, <laughs> that was our working title. We just couldn't come up come up with anything. Yeah, better. we didn't have any. We didn't have a clever one this time, <laughs> unfortunately. But yeah. it's fine. Sorry. Um. But as always, we begin with what you doing. And um, as no matter what Bill is doing this week or the last couple weeks will ever be more important what Adam is doing this time around. Um, I'll go ahead and go. I'll go ahead and go first. So, so Bill, what you doing? Um, since it has been a few weeks, I actually do have a bit of a list of things. Um, I got myself a new to me <laughs> used copy of <laughs> of the board game Hero Quest um, for my birthday. Um, I owned nice. it. I owned it at one point as a kid, and then I think between like moving places, it either got pitched or lost, which I really feel salty for because I had like painted yeah. those miniatures and everything too. Um, oh, I, oh I guess a little background uh, as far as what Hero Quest is. Um, Hero Quest is a like a role playing board game that came out in I think it was 1990 in the states. Um, it was done by huh. Milton Bradley in, um, like they did it in, con- uh, they, they collaborated with Games Workshop. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Uh, Adam. Are they the Warhammer people? That's right. Yes. Okay. So, okay. um, it's essentially like based in like the Warhammer quest, um, like okay. universe, I think, um, is where it's kind of based out of, but yeah, it's, it's like really D D light i would say you know it's more of a dungeon crawl game <laughs> which is which is fine Sweet. yeah i mean i i really enjoy it me and josh have been playing it um it's it's good because you can kind of just play a quest in like out of the book in like you know an hour you know at a time oh sure and, and come back to it so it's not you know it's not as extensive and and rule heavy as D and D is, as I guess I say that yeah. because D and D is not as rule heavy now as it was. Yeah, not as much as it used to be. Not at the same time that this game came out. I'll tell you that. Right, um, right, right. Um, <laughs> but anyway, been a lot to streamline D and D since then. But I got that. I, I actually already started painting the miniatures for it. Um, very. Uh, I'm I'm no professional at it by any means, but I still enjoy doing it. Um, and I will say, since this is a used copy of a game that is no longer in print, I I will I will say that I paid a sum of money that I am not proud to disclose for it. Um, 
<laughs> that's that's a, a good delicate way to put it. Yes. Um as it <laughs> wasn't a complete set though, I I still paid on the low end. Um there are, like some miniatures sure. and and things like tiles and stuff missing, but I was able to like print up tiles and I just used um I like ordered some like generic blank game pieces off of Amazon and just oh, like sure. just like oh, I wrote that this is supposed to be a goblin on it. <laughs> Whatever, yeah. whatever, it works. Hey, if it works, it works. Right. You know? <laughs> if you don't uh, have purists, yes, you know. With yes. You, I, mean, I mean, eventually, maybe I'll be able to get some um, replacement pieces, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in the topic du jour. As a matter of fact, um, yeah. Uh, on top of that, I've only surprisingly enough, the Steam sale is this week, and oh yeah, that did start. I've only purchased one thing. Like usually, I'm like I have restraint issues during that um but i bought you usually pay a, a sum that you're not proud to disclose for yeah, games yes exactly <laughs> well see that money had to go somewhere else this time yes this is true um no i bought torchlight the the first one um it's basically a diablo clone if you don't know what it is Oh sweet, um, yeah I've, I've heard good things about it but i, I didn't really know i say clone lightly because i'm I'm pretty sure that some of the developers on it were on like the team for Diablo one and two, but I I could be mistaken uh, on that. Um, okay, so kind of like Outer Worlds is like a Fallout clone in yeah, a way. Yes, exactly. Similar kind of. Okay, okay, yeah. I feel. Um, you. But yeah, I mean, I I I'm playing it again. I've played it before. I I, I had it on the Xbox 360. Um, oh, okay. And and beat it before on there. As a, as a digital title, but I just thought I'd give it a run again. I'm going to play that one. I already have the second one on Steam, um, and I'm going to oh, play cool. through that. The, I, I do that because the third one just, like, it's not technically out. It's out as a, like, um, what do they call it on Steam, where it's like you play it before it really comes out, and you have to... Oh, like an early access early, that's, beta thing? That's the one, yeah, early access. Yeah. Um, but it's like... I think it's like thirty bucks right now, and I and wow. apparently the rules are or the reviews are kind of saying that it's um a lot of microtransactions and it doesn't really oh, it's not geez. like the other two. So I'm like, mm, I'm gonna wait. <laughs> we'll see if this comes yeah, on that's... sale later when it officially comes <laughs> I out. I think that's the prudent thing to do. Yeah, I, it's like I don't really want to pay thirty dollars to have to like. Pay to pay to win or pay to play, you know, like in a microtransaction no situation because those uh, those are garbage. Um, mm, I agree. On the on the non nerdish front, um, I <laughs> actually um, just got back this afternoon. I've had a full day, as a matter of fact. Um, I got back this afternoon <laughs> from an overnight camping slash uh, river tubing trip with my oldest Josh. We went to Kickapoo State Park. It's kind of by Danville. <laughs> if you're if you're familiar with the central Illinois area, <laughs> but you know I I am a little. <laughs> we stayed we stayed overnight, um, and then we went tubing uh, this morning. It was nice. It was like a little hot, but the river felt yeah. nice. So it's the first yeah, time I've ever done say, that. If, if there's ever a time to go tubing, I've I've yeah. done I've done canoeing before. I hadn't tubed before. I think tubing's a little. I like that because it's lazier. <laughs> yeah. You just sit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's less uh well, less active yes. in a lot of ways. There were actually some pretty uh 
pretty decent rapids at a couple points, which I was like, mm, okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's nice. Um, so we had a good time. Yeah, that was all good. But good. Um, I, I don't feel like I got overly bit by bugs or sunburned or anything. So I guess it's a success. Oh, good. We'll chalk it up to a success. <laughs> yeah, like did that. And I got back and watched Hamilton this afternoon, um, which Ooh. is now it's on Disney Plus. If anybody isn't aware of this, I mean, that's. Let's put its date stamp on that. That that dropped today. This, um, yeah. So, um, <laughs> <our> third guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I mean, if you have Disney Plus, I highly recommend you go and watch it. Um, if you have the attention span, it is it, it is three hours. So, be be prepared for that. Um, but well, as I said, bad. but I mean, yeah. <laughs> as I said before, though, none of this <laughs> really holds a candle. To uh to what Adam's been up to for the last week or two. So Adam, yeah, what you doing? <laughs> well, uh, I believe we mentioned last episode that uh, at that time my wife was uh, excessively pregnant, nine months or so at the time. Um, let me just say she is no longer pregnant. Yay, and, baby! Uh, <laughs> <woo-hoo>! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, our, uh, our first son, fourth child overall, but, uh, first son was born on June 20th. Uh, so yay. Uh, without getting into too much detail, uh, we had, a, a our first home birth. Um, we had done birthing center. We had done hospital, you know, not to go into whole... gruesome detail or anything. Was that like pretty smooth overall? Do you think when, you know, it, it was, um, I mean, we had just about everything we needed, um, we, uh, our, our, our medical professional, um, or well, the primary one was, um, a midwife, a home birth, um, private practice midwife. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this or not. My wife, uh, herself is also a midwife, but she works for, um, uh, a clinic and, you know, um, delivers at hospitals and things like that. So she's, she's more, um, uh, more sort of in the system. I guess yeah, um, yeah. she doesn't do the home birth stuff, but um, this one did. Um, she had a nurse as well. So, you know, um, s- sort of a, a, a modern home birth, I guess you might say, not like what a, <laughs> not what like a surprising a, amount of people that yeah. I've, I've bring I've the said. hot, bring the hot water. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, she probably still breaks. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Yeah, I, tell my wa- <laughs> I tell people that my wife's a midwife and they look at me and like, oh, so, you know, she's, I don't know. She just does home births and like all kinds of like herbal remedies and stuff. I'm like, no, she's not like a witch or no. something, you know? Because she's an like, actual like certified nurse too, so... <laughs> Right, right. She's right. yeah. She's technically she's an advanced practice nurse, certified nurse midwife, and women's health nurse practitioner. So I mean, you know, yeah, it's not, not su- like, it's not it's not pseudoscience here, kids. Right, right, exactly. So yes, qualified medical professionals all around. Um, she did absolutely fantastic. Did the whole thing all natural, which blows my mind. No freaking way could I do it. I mean physically but also you know she she's great she's absolutely wonderful and i admire her in many many ways but 
anyway, um, <laughs> everybody's uh, at home, safe, happy, and healthy. Uh, his name is uh, Sullivan Clark. Um, I think I I think I mentioned that last episode that that's what we were going to name him, but yep, yep, that um, didn't change last minute or anything. <laughs> uh, his three big sisters are super duper proud. Um, yeah, it's, I mean he's he's well as of the airing of this episode, I guess when this drops, he'll be just over two weeks old and already, you know, he he's grown like crazy. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I guess. I'll say this um, father's day this year, which the, which came the day after he was born was, uh, was extra awesome. That is, that is um, a pretty cool deal. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as we mentioned, we, we, um, because of all of that, uh, we pushed back recording this episode by a week so that I could, you know, sort of breathe a little bit. So I appreciate that bill. Thank you for being flexible. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, obviously, <laughs> um, there have obviously been some other things going on, you know, in that time, but uh, you know, they sort of pale in comparison to, you know, child number four. So yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll save some of that for, for the next episode. Um, there certainly had been some, you know, geeky kind of things. Um, some sort of things that I'm discovering that uh, I enjoy or rediscovering, but we'll save some of that just <laughs> cause uh, I could, I could talk for a while on that. Yes. Anyway, on to our next segment. The best, the best, the best. Um, I'm not entirely sure if Danielle's going to be bummed that we're doing this one without her. I, I think there might be. She might have enjoyed this, but that's okay. That's the price you pay I think for. So. It's the price you pay for being absent. Um, yeah. So <laughs> how dare she be busy? Um, <laughs> I this one actually came. Um, birth out of Adam because I was like, you know what? I'm gonna let I'm gonna let him come up with this week's. Um, and this is yeah, I gave birth. Yes, this time. yes. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's not de- let's not diminish the idea of giving childbirth right, by, yeah. by any means. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, best live action Nickelodeon show and go. All right. Um, so I'm I'm gonna go first. I I really wait on this one for a little while. Um, as a kid, I watched a ton of Nickelodeon cause we literally had nothing else. Um, cause Disney was like a pay paid premium channel and, uh, cartoon network didn't exist or at least it wasn't on, it didn't get aired by our cable provider. Um, uh, okay. when I was a kid, um, I think I was like sure. a te- I was like a teenager before cartoon network aired in, in central Illinois or where in Clinton at least. Um, <laughs> Uh, it was either so it was either before or after school syndicated kid shows like on Fox or whatever, uh, Saturday morning cartoons, oh, sure, sure. Um, which is another completely different subject because those don't even exist anymore. Um, oh, no kidding! Right, or or it was Nickelodeon, um, and I just going off of that I was a big fan when they actually introduced uh, Snick, which was a two hour oh, block. Sure of Nick kids programming that ran past the 7 p.m. hour on Saturdays because (laughs) even when I was a kid, the Nickelodeon shows stopped at like 7 p.m. and Nick at night came on at 7 p.m. So you were Mm -hmm. like stuck watching like, and it was like old shows. If you think about it, like in the 80s, what's old? Oh, things like the Dick Van Dyke show, 
Mr. Ed. Yeah. Stuff that was in black and yeah. white still. Green Acres and stuff. Yeah. I, I don't <laughs> even think Green Acres was on yet. It was a little oh, later. Oh, wow. But it did eventually come on there. I remember that. Um, but then they had Snick, so you had another couple hours on a Saturday night. Um, mm-hmm. And they had they had four shows that they, they kind of uh, introduced us with. It was Clarissa Explains It All, which was a, another uh-huh. another decent live action show. It was Roundhouse, which was like kind of like a sketch show um, that ran uh, for a couple okay. seasons. Like a pre-all that kind of thing? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, Ren and Stimpy. Yes. Uh, yes, that's still, that, but that's not live action, so obviously that's not in the running. Yeah. And then there was... Disqualified. Yes. <laughs> there was Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, and mm. I really loved Are You Afraid of the Dark? It was like a... Um, it's like a kids. I don't like to use the word horror because it's not really horror. It's like a spooky-ish show. Yeah, and the, more but spooky it, than yeah. actual terror. Right, and it was um, not a serial, so it was like you know anthology kind of show series, like um, uh-huh. Tales from the Crypt for kids. But it's like more like that's a, a good go- way to put it. Yeah, like a go- but it had more of like a goosebumpish vibe. Um, yeah. Uh, so I was going to say this is the best because I really liked that show, but I decided actually to go with Drake and Josh. And I know that okay. this is okay. This is mildly ridiculous because I got into Drake and Josh as an adult. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that was a little bit past your time. Wasn't right. It? Right. Um, and I think my belief, my, my love actually for the show comes more from like sentimental value. Um, Josh, ha, because Drake and Josh, um, my, my oldest son, <laughs> um, he watched the show pretty consistently growing up, um, and it was on a lot, you know, in the background, and I would watch, yeah. and really, it, I, I enjoyed it, I thought it was funny, there's still, like, several things that me and him will, like, quote and stuff from the show, and Aww. just goof around, <laughs> like, yeah, and, and honestly... I think that the bonding experience really kind of just blows nostalgia out of the water every time. Um, and that's saying something. Right. And I, it, I think, I think as you know, you have younger kids, you'll, you'll find that out as they grow <laughs> older, especially like, you know, like it's, it especially hits now with Josh just because of that, like, you know, kids practically an adult almost now <laughs> kids could be 18 yeah he's he's um, right on the cusp yeah um so it you know you think about those things and just you know anyway but yeah i i i'd say drake and josh <laughs> and, and honestly i really enjoy the show and it is you know it's good and i i think that you know like i said that sentimental value really kind of does it for me yeah but Let's anyway and share that with him yeah, yeah. Anyway, Adam, what would you say the best live-action Nickelodeon show is? Uh, my pick is a show that I vaguely remember from my childhood being on TV, um, but I feel like I was too young to really appreciate it um, until just a few years ago, actually. Um, kind of like you got into it as an adult. Yep. Um, when I decided to revisit it. Uh, it's called The Adventures of Pete and Pete. And it started out as um, not actually a, a full show, but uh, a series of minute-long spots 
on Nickelodeon in 1989, which uh, was before I was born. So there's that. I was, uh, I'm in 1990, baby. <laughs> uh, then it moved. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moved up to I think five half hour specials because it, w- it got pretty popular, yep. and then finally got picked up for a three season run uh, from 1993 to 1996. Um, it's it's very much a coming of age show um, if you're the type to relate more to Big Pete. Um, it details the lives of two brothers, uh, both named Pete Wrigley, Big Pete and Little Pete. Um, it was uh, I believe. Mike Morona was Big Pete, and uh, Danny Tamborelli is, uh, or was, Little Pete. Um, Danny Tamborelli, you know, became more of a mid-90s Nickelodeon fixture. Yeah. Yeah, in a lot of ways. I think he was on uh, all so that, that for that, a little bit, right? And then, um, Right, right. And, and then, then I think he was figure on Figure It, it Out. It, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, yeah, it's it's got your typical sort of you know tropes um young love they visit a a lot um sibling rivalry obviously uh bullies that kind of thing but i feel like what gives pete and pete its charm is the quirkiness in its writing um it's there there's there's just a feeling to the whole show that you kind of have to see to appreciate it yeah it's it's odd honestly like it's it is it's it's not bad odd but no like, no but I'm, it's I'm the different type of person well, i'll i'll get a little bit personal here like my my favorite band is they might be giants and if you're familiar with any of their music at all then that probably tells you all you need to know <laughs> for this part anyway right um like the episodes have plots like and i'm gonna read directly from the wikipedia page uh the wrigley family takes a fishing trip and big pete contemplates mortality while dad tries to catch a legendary fish named bob also after realizing the cruel fate that could happen to bob which as an aside uh they visit a taxidermist earlier in the episode yeah yeah so yeah you know the mortality thing uh big pete then tries to sabotage dad's attempts on making the catch uh that's an episode called on golden pete uh season two episode nine if you're interested uh there's one where little pete fakes sick from school and then gets a cereal marshmallow that looks like president eisenhower stuck in his nose (laughs) it's it's just it's i don't know that i'd go so far as to call it bizarre but i definitely would say surreal in a lot of ways um it's it's kind of all over the place uh but it's also super duper charming um also, the the music, um, there was an album, uh, I think it's just called Music from the Adventures of Pete and Pete, called uh, or by a band called Polaris, is is excellent. Um, I think for record score, excuse me, record store day this year, if that would have happened, uh, they were going to do a re-release of that on vinyl. Oh, nice! Which I was going to take a look at, but uh, that didn't happen. So might have to hunt hunt that one down um there's cameos by a frankly mon mon mind bug let me try that again a mind-boggling amount of um like a lot of musicians but then also a lot of actors before they got really really famous like uh jk simmons makes an appearance steve buscemi uh selma blair 
Um, I know Michael I Stipe was. Yeah, Michael Stipe was on. Yeah, it, Michael so Stipe was in there. Yep. Uh, Iggy Pop plays uh, like the father of of one of the characters that gets introduced a little bit later. So I mean, he is a semi regular. Um, yeah, it's it's nuts. Um, and then a fun fact: uh, Toby Huss, the guy that plays Artie, the strongest man in the world, is from my hometown. How about that? Uh, so yeah, you know, little claim to fame if you could call that uh <laughs> not really i've never met the guy but anyway um definitely an enjoyable series to watch um like i said i i appreciate it more as an adult because you know when it when it originally aired i was not really old enough to appreciate it for what it was um honestly i need to start it over start another rewatch because i think i missed a few i definitely missed some of the shorts so sure maybe worth a revisit and yeah. it's not like a huge thing where it's like 10 seasons so it'd be like a huge time commitment kind of thing it's it's like three seasons half hour episodes and they're short seasons too so i don't know give it a shot yeah i i remember the shorts and i remember the specials um by mm-hmm. the time the actual full-on series started i didn't really follow it as much because i like kind of hit yeah. that like preteen teenage not like that nickelodeon was too i was too cool for it it's just that like i had other things kind of going on that i think like yeah pulled me away so right i feel like if if you were to appreciate it when it originally aired you had to be in a very specific age group right you know to really relate to it yeah but I don't know. Totally worth it. I mean, yeah, watch it. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy, I enjoy anything I've seen of it. So it's, it's definitely, yeah. it's definitely a contender. That's, that's for sure. Especially like amongst the stuff at its time on Nickelodeon. It's yeah. definitely a contender. Um, and it is very of its time. I'll, I will say that. Yep. I mean, it doesn't necessarily, um, a lot of the concepts and stuff d- didn't necessarily age well, but, I don't know. It's it's charming in its own way. It's I, unique. I I think it will be interesting if we ever do an episode of best animated Nick show, best Nicktoon. Oh, we'll get there. Well, I mean, we'll get there. I, I have a I have a funny feeling we might end up probably be on the same page, but we'll we'll have to see about that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, tune in next time. Yeah, no, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. Um. Anyway, so I think that that does it for this, and we're going to move on to our topic du jour. Um, as again, this was a working title, but it's fine. We'll work with it anyway and keep with it. Um, yeah. Again, this is we're talking really kind of about lost media and, and media preservation. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought it would actually probably be good to kind of start by giving some background and examples of what we're talking about. Um to make things maybe a little clearer for the layperson that may be listening to this. Um, So when we speak of preservation of media and lost media, we're kind of referring to the efforts made to ensure that future generations can enjoy a piece of media throughout time. Um, This could be a movie or a video game, a book, or even something as simple as a board game. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it would actually probably... Music even. Yes, music. Um, 
It'd probably be best to give some examples of media that have been lost due to a lack of effort made by publishers to re-release them. Um, I've got kind of a few things here, and then I think Adam might talk a little bit about too. Um, I could really think about, you know, quite a handful of video games is really what mostly comes to my mind um, mm-hmm. that I haven't seen any form of digital or physical re-release since the original. Um or even if they have been re-released or not exact or not available anymore, um, most of these are licensed titles, which I'm sure probably has some effect on that lack of re-release. Um, yeah. Prime example is um, Willow. Um, they, it had a, a release on the NES and arcade, which were two totally separate types of games. One was more like a Zelda yeah. clone. The other one was like a was a, a action platformer on the arcade. Um, the Simpsons arcade game, can't get that. Ooh. Um, it got a digital release on Xbox 360 and then was pulled. Um, oh. Scott Pilgrim versus the world, the game digital only release on 360 and PS3 pulled, no longer available. Um, Castlevania, the adventure rebirth, which was like kind of a reworking of the Castlevania adventure game for the game boy which actually sucked. Um, <laughs> and this was like a, apparently I hadn't played it, but apparently it's a superior version. Um, it was a, WiiWare digital title. The Wii shop channel is closed, so you can't get it anymore. Um, yeah. but yeah, those were, those are some examples as far as games go. And I, I, I know there's more actually, um, Goldeneye. I mean, you can't really, besides oh, yeah. like buying an N64 and buying the original cart, you, you cannot get, Goldeneye. You can't get a digital release of it anywhere or anything like that because it's Yeah. I think because you probably got the um you know, you got probably got between Rare and Nintendo and um who has the rights to uh James Bond? I'm bet uh, that's probably I want to say it's MGM yeah. or whoever owns MGM now. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure that they're all three of those companies are probably buttonheads, you know, so that's probably oh, part sure. of the problem. Um, That'd be a licensing nightmare, I can imagine. Interestingly enough, circling back to HeroQuest, also another hmm. example of lost media, because there's, I mean, there's not been a reprint of the game since its original run in the '90s. Oh. So the only way you're going to get it um, <laughs> is to pay an undisclosed sum. Yes, <laughs> that you're not proud of <laughs> to get <Yeah>. it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, those are some examples that I can think of. Um, did you have any specifics, Adam, that you thought of or? Well, I started doing a little bit of research. Um, I found what's called the lost media wiki. Oh, okay. Now it's not, uh, it's not necessarily, um, I don't know if it's got games. Oh, it does actually. Um, it, it's got a surprisingly huge amount of like large and small media. Um, I mean, you can just go to, it's lostmediawiki.com. So, I mean, pretty easy, but, um, it, it ranges from like entire lost series of TV shows. Oh yeah. Cause you got to think about archived or right. You got to think about somebody that may have like gotten canceled mid season or something like that, mm-hmm. that they just didn't even decide to do a DVD release of or anything. That's right. A very right. good point. Or, you know, they, they might have, um, you know, had, had the, I mean, if it was old enough to be like actually filmed on film, 
um, you know, the say a warehouse burnt down or something like that. I mean, that's the last copy somebody had, you know? So there's things like that. Um, ranges down to things as, as obscure or specific as uh, like unreleased footage of the infamous white tiger attack during the Siegfried and Roy show where that happened, you know, wow. um, apparently, apparently that's lost, which is surprising to me, but you know? Well, that might be lost for good reason. That's kind of—I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Intentionally lost. Nobody yeah, yeah. actually. I mean, I'm sure somebody wanted to see it, but um, I mean, like things like wanted to release it. The Star Wars holiday special. Hmm. You can't. You can't get that yeah. anywhere. I mean, like they've not done like a DVD release. I mean, it's obvious that George Lucas was not proud of that, but like <laughs> you know, you don't say it. <laughs> It would cost, I wouldn't, I don't want to say it would cost zero dollars, but it would cost not many dollars because let's face it, let's face it. Disney's got that in a vault somewhere now. Oh, surely they, they they could air that on Disney plus at Christmas time and it would get, frankly, I'm surprised they haven't, it would get a large number of views. So, I mean, you know, that's my Christmas wish. From uh from Disney this year, Please, we got we got our Fourth of July wish with Hamilton. Can we get can we get the Star Wars holiday yeah. special for Christmas this year? We'll see what if if Disney, you know, if they wanted to, they could like you said. Oh, they've got it in a vault somewhere. I mean, they could just oh yeah, you know, we've unlocked the the vault and now it's available on DVD for a limited or a Blu-ray, I guess, for an, a limited amount of time and. They could do their whole vault shtick and, yeah. you know, probably make un- ungodly amounts of money on it. Oh, man. Or, See, that's another, smart, that's a whole nother subject Plus. right there is, is media <laughs> that is purposely, purposely put in limited capacity like that to be able to get to, to make sales. But man, that's another, well, that's rat. such a Disney thing to do. Too, oh you know, yeah. But... That's a whole nother rabbit hole. <laughs> so yeah. We'll get into ethics later. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, and and you know, I I kind of fell down that rub, rabbit hole just a little bit uh, because. So now I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm intrigued. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look at this now and and take it at take a look at it. I, I mean, like, is should, it? Yeah, I'll get I'll get sucked in. So just. <laughs> I mean, they've got it categorized into things. Oh, I mean, yes, there's lost animation and there's lost literature and music. They have an entire category called lost puppetry. Wow. Like, okay. Like shows well, that are puppets or like, I mean, because well, like, there's 94 different pages, I guess. Yeah. I mean, because there is that. Uh, there's um... an Alice in Wonderland lost footage from a fantasy film from 1949. There's. Um, stuff as recent as like 2012 I'm seeing I don't know like because I remember on the early Disney yeah. Channel days when it was actually a premium channel um, there was a show I don't remember it I only remember it because we would have Disney on like free weeks like they would do that for like premium channels sometimes on the cable provider oh sure like they do for Sirius XM every once in a while yeah something like that they would just actually just put mm-hmm. it on for free and they'd let you know hey we're gonna give you a free preview for a week um gotcha. there was a show called Dumbo Circus where it was like puppets oh. and like um people in suits and stuff and it was like a it was like a preschoolish show I remember barely yeah there's none of that you 
I mean, you could scour YouTube for it. Um, but oh yeah, yeah, Dumbo Circus right on there. Yep. Yep. That's <laughs> that's an example. That's um, but anyway, I, I guess now that we've kind of explained the concept of loss of media and given some examples, we probably thought it would be good to shed some light on ways that such media is being preserved. Um, even in a world where the publishers are not making the effort. Um, so I, Adam, you had, uh, a couple of particularly good examples on this. Um, can you yeah. fill us in? Um, so I, I mean, we, we both, uh, you know, even though we're a few years apart age wise, we both grew up in, in a time where the internet was just, um, just beginning to take hold and, and really bloom into, um, you know, the beginnings of what it is now, um, sort of a wild west for, for a good long while. Yes. But, um, as our listeners may or may not know, uh, support for, uh, the utility flash is ending this year, which is, um, basically a thing that, um, predated uh video um animation i guess as we know it now uh flash was used to one build um just videos but also um interactive you know animations and games and things like that um support for flash is ending later this year i think at the end of 2020 and most modern websites and pretty much all modern browsers have already phased it out and are, you know, moving on to things like HTML5, um, you know, and things like that, that are just newer, better technology. But for those of us who did grow up with the advent of things like HomestarRunner.com, uh, eBombs World, Addicting Games, Newgrounds, um, you know, yeah, I'm sure... A lot of the people listening could just could name anything. Candystand.com yeah. was Joe Joe was Cartoon. Great. I remember that one. Yeah. Uh, you know, we could sit here all day and, and you know, name I mean, different like, flash websites. Weren't um but, a lot of the like adult swim games flash games too? Yes, they were. Well there you go. Uh yeah, for a long time. A lot of um a lot of the well, just basically all of the games available online for a long time. We're, we're building Flash. And um, with Flash ending, um, that would mean under normal cir- excuse me, under normal circumstances, a pretty sizable chunk of nostalgia would be going away. Yep. And if you've listened to any of our episodes at all, uh, you understand how much nostalgia means to us. Yes. <laughs> um just yeah we grew up with a lot of cool shit is what i'm saying but uh that's <laughs> until the flashpoint project came along um starting in 2017 a group of um i mean i guess i I'd, I'd, I'd call them archivists um in in their own sort of way I, I they mean, started that's... to save as much flash history as they could um there's a downloadable archive um that as of the air time of this or the uh, drop time of this podcast is still growing um, of flash movies and games that um, this team has um, basically just scraped from any website they could um, 
and it's not just uh united states stuff either they they've got stuff from all over the world um it's just an archive of flash movies and games that you know if you're anything like us it'll just bring you back to a simpler time uh where where you could be exposed to a lot of online culture for (laughs) better or worse yeah speaking Um, of even simpler times though i mean man this next one it's (laughs) even simpler yeah um another similar idea uh, to the Flashpoint project is the concept of abandonware. Um, this is different in that where pretty much everything in the Flashpoint project was available for free in its heyday uh, when everything was active. Abandonware is software that was sold uh, commercially but just isn't available anymore because either it's not being made anymore or just not being sold anywhere anymore. Um, most of it uh didn't really have a a digital release or digital re-release um a lot of it was just on physical media and you know that's growing increasingly more rare um there's a few websites that still uh showcase the abandonware and honestly a lot of it is just like a ripped disc image right so it sometimes it has to be uh cracked um in order to to make it work or patched or sometimes you have to run them in compatibility mode for older versions of uh of windows or you know your operating system or you could use DOSBox. Um, so, i mean right yeah exactly and we'll get to emulators in a moment too yes but um you know a lot of the time there is a workaround um in order to make it work in on the you know these more modern systems that presumably we're using but if you feel the need to revisit original versions of classic games, um, like I said, the one the ones that didn't have a re-release or an update or anything like that, uh, this might be your best bet. Um, yeah. And I think some of those, know, I think some of those abandonware sites actually, you could play right in the browser too. So yeah, um, a lot of the older DOS games and things like that, they basically just have an emulator running right in your browser, which is fantastic yeah i mean what a, what a time to be alive right right you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> i mean i'm sure we'll we'll find ways to say that a lot you know but um unless you're the collector type that you know if you have a desire or ability or funds frankly to uh, track down an original copy of something that's basically impossible to find you know abandonware sites are are uh, a really good resource Um, and that sort of, you know, the emulator thing sort of dovetails into Bill's next, uh, next segment. So take her away, Bill. Yes. All right. Uh, so, uh, the name of the game is emulation. Um, we'll talk (laughs) on the morality of emulation in a bit, but the true heart Mm -hmm. of game preservation really actually lies in emulation. And I say that on both the publishing, the publishers preserving and the community preserving. Um, cause even the publishers are using emulation to be able to preserve their games. Um, all of things yep. like, um, you know, virtual console, um, et cetera, you know, but even backwards compatibility. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure on some systems, particularly like I remember on the Xbox, pretty sure that that's just an Xbox emulator running to run the original yeah. Xbox games. So, I mean, 
we're not fooling anybody. You're using emulation too. Um, right. Uh, but, but, um, you know, if a PS3 emulator didn't exist that you could play on PC, um, the only way that one could pick up and play a copy of Scott Pilgrim versus the world would be to buy a used PS3 or Xbox 360 that someone has left a digital copy of the game on. And you're Mm -hmm. probably going to have to know a guy to be able to do that. Um, because I've checked eBay. I was like, I was just like, you know, I was like, I wonder like if somebody's selling it on eBay and has like that game or something else that's like been dropped and is like, I'm Uh selling it for this X amount of dollars because that's a hard fine game. No, nobody's selling it. So, I mean, you probably have to know a guy. I mean, people probably are going to put that on there because I mean, technically it's tied to your account. So, right. So, I mean, you still sold the physical machine. You still got to stay on there, logged on credentials. Right. So, I mean, you're pretty well screwed. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's harder and harder, you know. Uh, yeah, I mentioned, I mentioned, be able to do. Yeah. I mentioned the Willow arcade game. If you weren't running MAME on a PC or any other device to be able to play, uh, arcade games emulated. The only way you're going to get a copy of the Willow Arcade cabinet is if you're lucky finding it and spending a fortune on the used market. I looked this up too. eBay has one that's just the board, so you'd have to probably plug it into some other um, cabinet and screen. Yeah. And that board only was $895. So, yeah, you're going to spend some money. Um, Yeah. You know, but, you know... It's fantastic that, you know, we're able to do that. And, and again, we're going to talk them about the morality of that in, in just yeah. a moment here. Um, but um, interestingly enough, I also talked about HeroQuest. There's also a community of people that are working to kind of recreate that or redistribute it in a way by using um, 3D printing. So, huh. like, most of the files for, like, the miniatures... And, like, the furniture pieces and stuff like that, um, those are, like, those are online. So, if you have access to a 3D printer, you could you could print them. Um, you know, things like the That's tiles awesome. and stuff, you could just print on paper, I guess, and the cards. But, sure. I mean, for the most part, you could actually recreate it if you had that access. So, I mean, that's that's pretty cool um, that there's enough of a community out there that's interested in it. Um, mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's plenty of efforts being made to preserve, and that's that's good. Um, even, like, physical media or, like, um, particularly, like, if a game got, like, a prototype run only or a limited, very limited amount of them, like, running around, I, I uh-huh. really enjoy the fact that there's some people out there that aren't trying to keep it so rare that you know like at least they're right. dumping the rom you know so people can play right. it and we don't lose it all together there aren't people there that are like i'm not going to dump this thing because then it's not going to be worth as much no at least there's people out there yeah. that are getting it out there one way or another wasn't that the case with um i think there was an nas game called little samson yes that's one um, of them yeah, where there there were so few actual cartridges that I mean you'd have to pay. Yeah, you'd pay you an know. exorbitant fee. 
Um, <laughs> An undisclosed sum of money that you wouldn't be proud to admit. Yes, uh, <laughs> definitely. Um, it's going to keep coming back. Spe- you know, spe- but yeah, somebody dumped the ROM. And- yeah, that that's a specific one. Um, there's things like stadium events. Stadium events, though, is different because that's basically... Um, they gave world class track meet for the NES. They just re it, oh. it was reskinned as that when Nintendo bought the rights. So like the original Stadium of its cart by I think Bandai it was is like worth a ton of money now. Oh sure. Um gotcha. But there's like some of those like um unlicensed games that have very limited runs and things like that that could fetch yeah. a good amount of money if you're getting the actual cart. But yeah, I mean those are those are examples and uh Well, think about this, too. Like, if it weren't for emulation, we likely wouldn't have Star Fox 2. Exactly. uh, For the SNES. Because that was was only released on the um, SNES Classic. Right. As far as the official. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Prime example. You know, somebody might have had a prototype, but, you know, they did that, you know, they did that in-house and released it like an actual, I mean, not a standalone release. But you know, on yeah. their uh, on their SNES Classic, and um, yeah, I mean the big boys do it too. That's right, <laughs> exactly, and 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 that's just kind of also where we could segue into the morality of this. Um, yeah, honestly, and and people get hazy for this, but I don't see a morality issue with most emulation. Um, yeah, most being the operative word here. Yeah, I, honestly, close to all. If we're talking about, yeah. okay, I say that because there is a morality issue if it's, like, still at its first run. If, like, because, I mean, like, right. there was a moment when, like, emulation was at the same level as, like, um, things like the Nintendo DS and the Game Boy Advance during their run. Right. That's a little bit of a gray area. Um, right, yeah. but I honestly don't see both morally and legally. Yeah, yes. Um, I don't Especially, see a, yeah. yeah. I don't see a morality issue with most of it though. Um, if we're talking about a medium that the original publisher cannot really profit off of any further, um, you know, and like an NES cart, original NES cart. The only mm-hmm. ones that are making the money off that sale are um, now like those who are selling them on the secondhand market. Um, I think yeah. it's fair game in that case. Um, honestly, even in a situation where the publisher is preserving it by re-releases, I still don't take an issue with emulation. Um, I just don't feel the need to pay Nintendo another dime for the original Legend of Zelda. They got my money when my parents bought an original NES cart. They've gotten my money when I bought it on Virtual Console at one point. They've got my money now that I have a Switch Online subscription fee and I could just play it on there. I just I've paid them right. enough money. We're done. I own this now. You, I I don't care what I'm playing it on. I've paid enough money for it. Um, right. I also kind of feel the same way again about you know things like three three D printing of a board game, um, the distribution of a movie on YouTube, or any other media for that matter. If the original publisher mm. isn't doing their job, we should do ours to be able to keep that going. Um, right. Right. Like, there's, um, I, I forgot to put this in as an example. There was a series of, um, it's not really a documentary series, because I hate to call it that. It's just like, um, I don't know how they call those. It was, um, a show on 
VH1. They did several of these. They did I Love the 70s, I Love the 80s, and I Love the 90s. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Um, yeah. And they did, like, multiples of those decades so they could talk about different things. And mm-hmm. I, there's no DVD release of that. There's there's not... I don't yeah. even think you could, like, watch it on their website or anything. The only way you're going to watch is if they, like, somebody happens to put clips up on, like, YouTube or something. It's like... Yeah. Where... Why is nobody doing this? I don't know, but... Um, well, yeah, and same kind of thing. Um, I mentioned uh, The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Um, I believe the first two seasons got DVD releases, but the third season, at least the last I heard, did not. Wow, really? Okay. And, again, you know, the only the only way to be able to watch that, because it was on in the early 90s, and, you know, Nickelodeon hasn't made that much of an effort to preserve at least the whole thing you know it's available on youtube i don't have a problem with that do you they know, I don't... um do they air episodes of that third season like because i know they had like um some of those nostalgia segments on like some of their other channels like they had that 90s or all that segment where they'd play like 90 shows for oh, like, sure. a couple hours at night i wonder if they did then you know but... i'm not sure even that, if they did. The only way if you're going to do that, though, <laughs> is still, if you want to preserve it, somebody's going to have to DVR it and dump it somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah. The only the only reason that we're able to watch a lot of that is because somebody made the effort to preserve it. And that's awesome. Um, right. I mean, I, I feel the same way uh, about most emulation. Um, it's... <sighs> It's one thing if you, you know, or if you're the sort of person to pirate everything that you consume, um, and you're not supporting creators. Well, then we aren't. Yeah, well, then we're not going to have media. We have to do this responsibly, right? Right. Right. Exactly. Um, but in in the case that uh, of of things that are either so old or so obscure as to effectively not be available anymore, um outside or through traditional means or something like like you said bill something that you've already paid for in one way or another whether that's you know a a one-for-one uh copy of you know or or a re-release of things like um well like you mentioned the original legend of zelda for example here's here's Um, the thing that i also going off of that too is I understand mm-hmm. that somebody could argue, well, I mean, you buy, like, the VHS copy of something, then you buy a DVD copy or a Blu-ray copy or a digital copy. Okay, here's the difference. You're also buying it to get... You get more with that. If I buy a VHS right. of a movie, and then I turn around and buy the DVD, the DVD is going to be right. a higher quality for the new technology that I'm going to be right. playing it on. Plus, DVD tends to have other special features and stuff too that you kind of get a bonus for right. having paid for it. So I don't I feel like that's moot. I if um yeah. You know, let's let's just say, you know, they came out with a if they come out with a remaster of a game, that's also a different That's story. yeah. That's a different Yeah, story. that's a horse of a different color. Right. Now, yeah, and that's that's what I mentioned was like, you know, if it's exactly the same thing, if you're getting the same version of the Legend of Zelda on virtual console that came out during the initial run on NES. Yep. Exactly the same thing. You know, like you said, 
Nintendo already got my money for that. Yep. You know, um, things like that. Then I think while depending on how you look at it legally it may be a gray area oh yeah uh i i think morally it's closer to good than evil or at least you know permissible um i don't think you're necessarily going to save the world by not paying for you know uh a re-release of the same thing but i don't i don't see you know where it would be where you'd be a bad person or like have bad intent behind it um i like we kind of touched on a little bit before, I don't necessarily agree with emulating or pirating brand new content. Right. Right. Um, one, because people work really hard to bring us the entertainment that we want and that we want to consume. And those people should be supported. Um, especially these days where indie games are a lot of the time, just as popular as like AAA titles. Um, I, I, think or, on a, I think on a moral standpoint, if like we're talking, brand new game triple a title if like you have the intent of i'm gonna download this and i'm gonna try it out if i'd like it right if it's the same as a demo basically right you know if i'm if i'm as far as how you're using it right if i'm if i'm limiting myself to okay i'm gonna play for 24 hours you know keep it for a day Mm -hmm. just to see what i like of it maybe that again I could see where an argument is on that too, but you know, right. And there's a responsible way to do these things too, you know, responsible and respectful right. and ethical. I think. Well, and also to be fair, um, I'm pretty sure that steam has policy in place that, you know, you buy a game, you could try it out. And if you don't like it, you can request the refund. If it's within like, I think it's like 48 hours or it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty generous. And honestly, I, I feel like that's the way it should be. You know, I mean, I'd be pretty pissed if I spent, you know, 50 bucks on a, on a triple a game that just came out or something. And it was and like, I absolutely hated it. It was, and bro- it sucked it was, and it was, or it's broken all to hell, you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd be pretty mad about that. So, I mean, I, I realized that, you know, legally, ethically, more morally, whatever, they probably don't have to do that. You know, sure. they could just say, well, you bought it. If you don't like it, you know, it sucks to be you, but, you know, that's that's a good thing, I think, that um, allows you to have a little bit more freedom with it, especially if you're spending that kind of money. I mean, and let's, um, let's, let's get real. We as gamers, especially as PC gamers, uh, we've got backlogs big enough of games <sighs> to play that we've gotten, like, for cheap or whatever. That if, like, you oh know, my gosh. If, if, if the money's an issue on a game, just play those for a little bit and save up, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, let me mention this too, because I, I, I don't think I mentioned it last episode. Um, itch, itch.io, itch.io, I don't know how you pronounce it, but recently, um, and I'm going to avoid the political things here, but recently they had an insanely huge bundle of things Um supporting uh you know the black lives matter movement and it was i think it ended up being like 16 or 1700 different items wow um a lot of yeah uh for five bucks no less well there you go Um, now it wasn't all video games um a lot of it was um you know resources like sprite sheets and um you know uh 
I don't know, photos of or like like royalty free stuff or just resources like that. Um, some of them actually were um, small, like print your own tabletop RPG stuff. But anyway, huge bundle, five bucks. Um, I've I have not gone through. I haven't had a chance to go through all, you know, 1500 plus items in this bundle. But just in the small time that I spent with it, I've identified like 20 or 25 different games that I <laughs> that I want to download and play just to test out. We, especially as PC gamers, we have no shortage of choice. Right. Um, just, it's, it's insane. The amount of different, uh, different media that we can. And, and again, if price is the issue, yeah. just wait a few weeks. Believe me, it'll go on sale. Right. Somewhere. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, in the meantime, you probably have a backlog. So just play yep. your other stuff. Yep. <laughs> you know, um, you know, even the stuff that's available for free, like just by default for free is worth playing a lot of the time. So, but anyway, um, speaking of the, the sort of money thing, and you, you mentioned a little, just a little bit earlier, uh, about microtransactions. Uh, I can tell you from personal experience, uh, EA games, uh, really doesn't like it when you torrent or pirate their stuff. Um, even if it is some of their older, uh, titles, uh, I, (laughs) <laughs> at one point I got a cease and desist from uh my uh internet provider because they got oh. one from EA. Oh I got I got one of those um was yeah. I think it was copy of Mega Man nine or ten. I I downloaded oh, Wii, I downloaded the WiiWare uh ROM of and yeah, got oh. got a cease and desist. I was like, Really? Yeah, mine was uh Dragon Age Origins. Really? So, I mean really not Cap- even you're really worried about this, like probably five dollar game that I downloaded. Yeah. Well, yeah. Then I turned around and just got a a, a steam or not a steam key. Uh, I guess it origin their thing. Oh uh, yeah. Ended up just you know it ended up being like six ninety five or something for the for the key, but you know whatever. I mean some some uh, some publishers, um, EA especially, Nintendo especially really don't like when you know you're... they don't even like when people like do stuff with their ip like um uh-huh. there was um was it am2r where like somebody was trying to do like a remake of metroid 2 the game boy game and it was oh, like yeah, yeah yeah it was solid looking too i never played it yeah but but they they it got dropped they nintendo was like nope nope don't do that well, see, yeah shame on you yeah they're they're notorious for their cease and desist letters. Like, and then they turn around they were... and then they turn around and made a subpar one of their own on, uh, uh-huh. 3DS. Yeah. Well, see what, and, and I'm surprised they haven't wised up by now. There are people out there that are extremely passionate about first party intellectual property, whether that's, you know, Mario, Zelda, Star Fox, Metroid, you know, that stuff for, um, for Nintendo, but also, you know, well, I should say, I should mention, uh, people are, I think Sega is much, much, much less, uh, butthurt about Sonic stuff. Right. Which that's its own, 
that's its own thing. Well, I mean, that's several things. But I'm pretty sure Sonic Mania was the was brought by people like in the yes. indie scene dabbling with their old stuff, and that's how that game came to be, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and no, I, I think you're right. People who were passionate about it decided to basically build their own project from from scratch. Granted, and Sega was, of was rather intellectual property, but, and rather than say no, Sega was like, "Hey, can we can we can we just publish this and make money off this?" And guess exactly why you know. And if Nint- if Nintendo were smart, that's what they would do with these people who are putting, say, Super Mario sixty four into Unreal Engine. Well, another you know? another really good example of. Of, and I didn't even think about this when we were talking about it earlier, it, with emulation is um, you could take the original game and do more with it. Think of things such exactly. as randomizers. You know? Oh, I yes. could play the original Legend of Zelda or Link to the Past, and it's a different experience every time I do a playthrough because I could use a randomizer. Mm-hmm. So it's like brand new game every time. Um, yeah. I've I've been playing recently with a Pokemon Platinum randomizer, you know. I, I haven't just... dabbled with the Pokemon randomizer. I I always feel like I'm really at a disadvantage on a game that I'm not familiar with when I do a randomizer. Oh sure, yeah. I guess that was kind of past your time, huh? Yeah, I mean, I played Red and Blue, um, pretty like that was yeah. like the only one that I played a lot of, um, which I really liked. Let's go Pikachu on um on the oh, switch yeah, because it's a because it's a remake of yellow which is red and blue essentially that um, was yeah that was my first was was yellow so yeah fond memories of that game yeah yeah um but anyway getting back back on topic um <laughs> i i think ultimately it's a judgment call um yes. how you personally feel about it um yes there is some legal gray area how crappy of Ethically, a person am I? <laughs> it's really no. No, well, not really. Let me put it like this: How guilty am I going to feel about it? Yes, you know, maybe that's a better. Because depending, I mean, you might be a crappy person depending on who you ask. You know, if if you ask Nintendo, yes, we're all scumbags. But if you ask the people who are trying to archive these things and and make real preservation efforts, you know, there's obviously a more noble cause behind some of that. So. I'm going to go on, on record and say I think it's mostly okay um, because only a Sith deals in absolutes. I, but I also want to say <laughs> yes. support the creators whose work you enjoy. Right. Um, I think that's, especially now when, you know, and I'm going to date this a little bit more, during this whole COVID thing, I feel like people are almost being forced to get more creative with things. Yep. And I think that in a few months to a few years time, we're going to see some of the fruits of that. Um, that goes for more than just, you know, video games or, or video content creators or, or, or whatever. I feel like people work really hard to create an all art in all forms. And if you are directly or even indirectly benefiting from that in some way, I think ethically, morally, you should consider helping them by, you know, tossing a little bit of money with their way or, you know, uh, supporting them, I guess, in other ways, you know, whether that I, in, in whatever way you can, you know, help them buy a cup of coffee or some new paint or some new, 
you know, materials or, or whatever, you know, I, I think that it's, that it is important to help support those people, um, the, whose the work only, you benefit from. Um, to, to caveat off of that, um, sure. I like, I like the, the humble bundle format in which it's, you pay what you want mm-hmm. or, and by what, by what amount you pay, you get a little bit more. Yeah, there's tiers to it. But you can also designate how much of that goes to the developer, how much of that goes to charity, because um, most yeah. of those bundles are for charity. Um, yeah. And that's where cool things like Games Done Quick come in, too, because they, they benefit charity also. But I, I, I like that. Before. Honestly, I like that idea. Like, cause here's the thing. If we're talking a $60 AAA game, how much of that mm-hmm. money is really going to go into the developer's hands? You know? <laughs> right. Um, right. Especially, like, if you take into consideration um, most of those games, with Nintendo being kind of the exception, end up yeah. going and dropping price within months. Right, it, right. It's really, once the novelty wears off and the next big thing comes out. Right. It yeah. and, and it makes you, it and it begs the question: Is this game really worth the full sixty dollars that you're charging me? Right. Um. But but again, I don't say that as an excuse to go and pirate stuff. I say that as right the morality of what we're charging as opposed to what really is fair, you know? Right. Right. No, I, I agree. But then again, I guess it's really dependent. They put it, probably put it out there at that $60 range because there is a subset of people that want it on day one and yep. will pay $60 for it to get it on day one. And that's perfectly fine. Yeah. If that's you. Um, and I mean, I, I would understand too, like people who, uh, at least nowadays, like people who stream brand new games and things like that. Um, where they actually right. are like literally making money off of that. Precisely. That makes um, perfect sense. You know, or, yeah. or I guess honestly, a lot of them probably get advanced copies directly from the, from the uh, distributor also, but that's but if a separate you're, thing. But if too. you're, but if you're fledgling and you're not being sponsored by anybody or, you know, being sent those, uh, yeah. do, you know, those copies to be able to, to uh, push a developer's, product uh-huh. then you're not um right yeah no i i think again it really is it comes down to your personal feeling on things and your uh what what you're willing to do and how you do but yeah on the end you're you're right developers it's their job it, like right like if i was doing my job and you know, I wasn't getting paid for it. I wouldn't be very yeah. happy, you know? Um, right, exactly. That you know. Well, I mean, just to use one specific example, the guy who created Stardew Valley, um, it's one guy. Um, his, his real name escapes me, but I think he goes by Concerned Ape. Okay. Um, I mean, he, he worked on that game for, like, literally years just by himself. Right. And, I mean, I'm sure that he probably has some help now. I think I think he's like hired an assistant or something like that. But, you know, for the longest time that was like, he was spending 
hours upon hours upon hours a week doing that and that was it i mean think about um think about other things like okay uh hamilton you know Mm lin-manuel miranda wrote that thing all by himself how do you think he would feel if like you know it's making its first run on broadway and rather than uh, selling tickets that he's probably, you know, they, him and the, the theaters have set at a fair price. Sure. Then just everybody snatches them up and is scalping them and making, you know. God damn scalpers! <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, you're, 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 I mean. Yeah. Scalpers, scalpers. I mean, that wasn't my Lin-Manuel Miranda impression, but. But, yes, but the scalpers are worse than the, than the publishers, man. Like. Right. Well, I mean, uh, I think I feel like scalping would be even worse than just sneaking into the theater and not paying for a ticket. You know, right? It's even worse. Um, yeah. Man, man, we could go into a rabbit hole with this. Don't believe me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I Maybe think that'll overall, be our next regular segment. We just express our disdain for scalpers. Oh, oh every man, episode. you don't. <laughs> it comes up a lot. Okay, like, and and just we'll segue for just a second here because i want to like rant a little bit about scalpers because well we got time it's the it's the, our podcast the latest thing is is above ground pools i and i this stays oh. the podcast definitely because it the, no you can't find them anywhere because yep um think about it all the public pools are closed right now because of mm-hmm. you know because of the pandemic um yep. some are opening I don't know how I entirely feel about that. <laughs> I would not go swimming. I, 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 I would not go swim in a pool where, like, let's, hey kids, let's go swim in this petri dish. <laughs> um, right. Um, yep. But anyway, uh, not to get overly political with things, but uh, there's a difference between politics well, and I mean, common goddamn sense. Okay. <laughs> um, yep. But, yep. um, uh. Anyway, above ground pools. You can't yeah. find them anywhere Public because of this. Public health shouldn't be political, but yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> um, above ground pools, sorry. Yes. <laughs> you can't find them anywhere. Like, you literally, like, if you if you go to a store, they're off the shelves because the scalpers yep. have bought them, and they're selling them for outrageous sums of money. Sums of money yeah. that people would not be proud of <laughs> disclosing if they said what they paid for <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Um... But yeah. like for example, I went to I found one for like less than a hundred off of a whim on on Amazon from a third party. Yeah. Put the money down and within a couple of days like I'm this is not moving, this is not moving. It was a scammer. I got I got my money back, thank goodness. But that's good. It, that's 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 the worst thing too. You got scammers and scalpers out there. Just taking people for a ride. I'm, I'm glad that you guys lucked out because, you know, you got little ones and they, they should get that, you know, and they should be happy. Yeah. Yeah. And in our case, we just happened to find somebody local on Facebook marketplace. Yeah. Um, and that, that's good. You know, that, that happened to have one. So <laughs> you, you say scalpers, they were, um, they actually, um, apparently buy pallet, like pallet loads of things in bulk and then just resell them. Yeah. 
I don't but, know. If but if they made a little bit of yeah. a profit, like if I'm not saying, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think good business sense. And then there's being an asshole. Right. <laughs> so, yes. And yeah, I think they were the former rather than the latter. But yeah, yeah I mean, it ended, I mean, it was, I think, I think the deal was they, um, they had bought like a pallet load or whatever, but then this one, um, like the box was damaged or something. So they, they weren't going to be able to sell it at whatever price they would normally would have sold it at. So they're like, okay, well, you know, before we try and return it to the manufacturer or whatever, it is, is anybody interested in it? And we just happened to be able to snatch it up because we were first in line before like 56 other people. <laughs> so that was, I mean, that was luck on our part, but. Well, I'm sure the girls yeah. were, were super happy. Ecstatic. Have they like been like but doing I, like do they like spend time in it like all the freaking time now pretty much all the time? Well, yeah. what's been difficult too though is um, because you know there's been the scalping of the pools, the chemicals are hard to find too. Like yeah. the you know the the shock and like pH adjuster and um, things like that. You know my my local Walmart and stuff, they've got a you know a couple of things here and there. But I mean, as soon as yeah, the accessories as soon as are hard the to shelves, find. They're gone. Yeah, like, yeah, restocking is difficult because, like, I, I know like the covers are hard to find, the ladders are hard <laughs> to find, like everything. Well, I went. You, I mean, you mentioned the covers. I went to Menards, uh, and I asked them. I'm like, hey, you know, do you? Because they had some of the chemicals and stuff too. I'm like, okay, do you guys have pool covers? And the kid I talked to was like, okay, well, let me go check. And he went and talked to a manager or whatever. And he's like, uh, I guess we're going to be out for the rest of the year. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, you guys aren't even bothering to restock anymore. Well, I, they may so, just, they, the warehouses are probably out of stock, quite frankly. That's. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, that, I mean. Because <laughs> I know, yeah, like, yeah. even, like, if I look on Amazon, like, ones that are, like, prime eligible expected date was like august september like what's the point right <laughs> by then yeah, they can give you like a month long delivery window <laughs> yeah yeah so and I, and I realize of course you know a lot of these are first world problems oh you know, yeah there's, there's definitely sure you know not to get political but yeah there's there's people who have it a lot worse but yeah scalpers suck yes they do absolutely <laughs> but, but anyway i i think that that yeah. was enough segue for for one evening um yeah yeah i think i think we had a good time with this um adam do you want to take it away with the uh contact info yeah let me preface this by saying hey call us because yes. uh i think we i think we did get one call but i'm pretty sure it must have been a a, a mistake or something because like whoever it was or didn't something. leave a yeah yeah didn't leave a message um i think it was like a california area code which i have a california area code just because of my um previous google voice number but you know uh yeah call us text us uh contact us in some way uh you can reach us on facebook um i don't think we've seen a lot of um you know comments and things i mean granted Yes, we're still well, working to post a little bit more right, on social yeah. media just we'll so get, we have more to interact we'll get with. We'll get better there. Um, it's in the works. Um, but yeah, if if you listen, if you like what you hear, 
um tell us if you don't like what you hear tell us if there's something that you want to hear that we're not saying tell us um you know we just want some sort of feedback because uh you know we've just been talking to each other which you know we clearly love to do but yes we'd like <laughs> to we'd talk like, to our audience too we, we want to talk to you yeah absolutely yeah um yeah we're on facebook at distant geeks uh twitter uh distant geeks podcast it might be distant geeks po1 i'm not 100 percent sure on that but yeah. either way just search Distant geeks podcast and you'll find us uh i said call text i didn't say the phone number it's eight zero big geeks because uh, we're cool like that. It's 802-444-3357. Um, it's a Google Voice number, so just, you know, say what's on your mind. Good or bad, just don't be a jerk. Yes. You know? You can be a jerk uh, if you're... You, though, but you can I'm be emotionally a, fragile. You can be okay? a jerk if you're constructive about it, you know? Yeah. Only, well, yeah, be a little bit of a jerk. Well, I, I, let me say this. Be a jerk, don't be a dick. Yes, that's a little different. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> we're still uh, we're still looking at um, doing some either streaming or um, pre-recorded video, uh, just maybe some Let's Play stuff. Uh, you know, when we have time, which time has been a little bit scarce. Yes, um, I mean when when <laughs> recently just been, been a little busy. When we have but, when we have um, infants, that makes it you know that does that does take up some time. You see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. So there's that. Um, but yeah, look forward to uh, to more content um, in in different forms. Uh, if you haven't seen the uh, the Pure Douche Collection video, yeah, give it another. If, <laughs> even if you have seen yeah. the Pure Douche Collection video, give it another watch. It's fun. Yeah, uh, I feel like it's probably about the most time that I've spent indulging a one off joke for very little actual payoff in my life but i'll tell you what i learned a lot about video editing making it and i learned a lot about what youtube doesn't well, see, like now, you to put on their now i feel like there, I, I feel like now there has to be an infomercial of um things that you would pay, <laughs> pay yeah pay 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 a sum of money <laughs> that one would not be proud of, ex <laughs> of exposing yeah <laughs> yeah that'll be infomercial part two yes um but uh yeah just uh just check out our stuff if there's stuff you want to see if there's stuff you want to hear tell us we are open to suggestions absolutely um, i feel like the format we've we've been doing with the podcast you know we've changed it up a little bit um just you know between episodes and stuff i feel like that's working out just keeping things fresh um like we said i think we're going to change up uh a different segment instead of the uh, the best, the best, the best next episode, next time we record. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. Yes. Uh, I do want to mention again, our intro and outro is called 1993 by Metal Man. Uh, it is a cover of the, um, the Mega Man intro X to theme. Mega Man X. Yep. So, uh, so I didn't catch that. What? The title theme, right? Yep. Yeah, the title theme. Is yeah, title theme. Um, it is from the OC Remix album Maverick Rising. So check out OC Remix. Check out Metal Man. Um, check out the album. Uh, awesome. It came out a few years ago, but yeah, totally worth a, a listen. Sweet. Well, at that rate, I'm going to go ahead and uh, sign off for us. This has been Bill and Adam. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one, guys. Take her easy.